you know, some more ups and downs. We went to a new city and in a new city, you're learning a new contractor, a new plumber, a new drywaller, all that kind of stuff. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back. I'm Sarah Larby and you are in for another awesome podcast today with my guest, Mandy Brenham. We talk about joint venturing and anything that you need to know about joint ventures and how they all work. So you are in for a treat. Also, how she scaled from one to a hundred properties and more. Uh, she's a wealth of knowledge. She's also known as the JV queen and she provides great insights and great advice. And, uh, and we also talk a little bit about mindsets and, uh, and growing and scaling portfolio. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast today and also check out her website, mandybrenham.com. Super excited to have her on. Other than that, guys, if you haven't yet and you are interested in the Burr Freedom community, you haven't yet joined, it is still time to do that. You can do it month to month if you want. I will tell you, I've got some great feedback from our first class from my students and there is still a little bit of room for you to join and it is all year. So we've got 24 calls of an hour and a half each. They're at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every first Tuesday and third Thursday of the month. And we're gonna go through the entire process. You guys are going to be equipped very well for the birth strategy once the course is done and probably even at that six month mark. Uh, so I'll tell you the first call on every Tuesday is going to be about that specific topic. It's going to be content. It's going to be me sharing my processes, my materials, how I got to where I got. And then the second call, which is the third Thursday of the month from seven to eight 30 is going to be Q and a as well as meeting my team members. So each week I have three really key team members that I've been working with in some capacity, talking about specific things as well. So for example, this Thursday, uh, because January was by month, we, uh, we did a thorough analysis on what to look for when it comes to market fundamentals. We talked about building your team. We talked about how to make offers. And so I've got three experts that are going to talk about just additional t uh, tips and, and tricks and strategies to be able to get the right deal under contract off market on market for short term, medium term, and long term. So super excited about Thursday's events or Burr Freedom Community Call, I should say. And if you guys want to know more about that, check out my website, sarahlarby.com. Other than that, guys, I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Mandy, welcome to the show. How are you? I am well, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Super excited to have you. Now, you've been on the Right Club podcast. But this is your, your first time here with uh, Where Should I Invest? And for those that may not know who Mandy is, give us a, a little bit of an overview of what it is that you do and your strategy in real estate and all that good stuff. So I will, I'll give you the last decade of who Mandy was and where I've come to today, which, cause it was a really cool snapshot coming into 2020. Um, I was a dental receptionist for years as my kids grew up, transitioned out of that into a little bit of hospital reception and staffing and, and, and realized that I joined a network marketing company along the way and said, there's gotta be a way that I can make more money and be in control of the money that I make more than just what we're doing with our jobs. And around that time, my husband, we went through 2007, 2008, 
And we thought he was, you know, doing really good. We were living a good life. And then the automotive industry took a dive and so did our income and so did our comfortable lifestyle. And so we said, what can we do that can control it? We bought our first duplex in 2007. So that was 2007. And then here we are, 2014, we joined a coaching program and we just ramped it up from there. And, you know, kind of happy to be able to say that I've, I've crossed over that hundred properties in since 2014 now that we've transacted on. That's amazing. So a hundred properties or a hundred doors? hundred properties, probably about 230, 240 doors now. Nice. Congratulations. That's, uh, that is, you know, incredible. And especially looking at how, you know, how fast you grew from that 2014 mark to, to today. And what do you think you attribute your success to? Work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And in the real estate industry, the job would be the actual brick and mortar. And I love brick and mortar and you need brick and mortar, but you need to be able to handle the stressful times, the ups and downs, the questions, the uncertainty, the success. You need to be able to handle success. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but we, you absolutely need to be able to handle all the ups and all the downs. And so, you know, this is where it's come to what books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? And you're listening to more than just these people talk about how they became successful or, you know, the, the properties and the doors that they own, but what else did they go through and how did they build themselves? So that's definitely my uh, favorite quote from Jim Crone from Jim Rohn, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Amazing. So, I mean, that's some great insight. That's some great advice as well. Are there any specific courses or any books or anything that like you can recommend somebody that wants to, to take a similar path and really just ensure that, you know, they are the best that they can be? Uh, books like Think and Grow Rich give you a wealth mindset. I do a lot of wealth psychology, just making sure that my relationship with money is in good standings, you know, that the psychology around having more wealth is balanced out in my life. So, so thinking crow rids, how to win friends and influence people. I'm rereading the psychology of sales right now. So just a lot of, oh, and I started uh, psycho cybernetics. So, you know, some old golden oldies, but all about, you know, personal development, image, self-image. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I, do I dare even start to say, but, I, you know, I'm on day three of, of, of a silent little 75 hard challenge to be able to say, do I have the mental stability to be able to do that? And the answer is yes. But I just, you know, how far down do I have to dig to be able to, to find it and be able to say, like, this is the best life that I want to lead. And, you know, it's interesting. So what you're kind of looking for is you're trying to close the gap between someday when I have this many doors or someday when I have a million dollars in my bank account, that's when I'll be happy. And I like the beginning of COVID shut that gap right down and said, gosh, darn it. If I can't be happy right here, what the hell is a million dollars going to do in my bank account? If I can't go anywhere, I can't travel, I can't see my family and I'm going to be here. And so I just made a decision that I was going to be happy here every day. So, you know, I wake up every day going, today is the perfect day. It's like not waiting for the grass to be greener on the other side because people, it's not. You know, what do you say? Oh, you must be really rich, Mandy. And I'm like, yeah, you know, not in the way that you might perceive what it's like to have this many doors because 
now you've got this many stresses and this many people and this many connections that kind of have to go along with it. Now, as you grow, you're able to, it's like the lobster story. You're able to, you know, lobster starts out and he has a shell and to, to be able to go to the next shell or grow the next shell, right? Um, he has to actually get naked out of his shell to be able to grow the new one. So just understand that as you get bigger, you're able to handle more and more things. And I think that's where, you know, in my self-help or my self-development, my self-journey has allowed me to be able to expand and be vulnerable at certain points of the growth to know that a new shell is coming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you get uncomfortable, when you step out of that comfort zone and, and you've summarized it really well, that's where the growth happens, right? And I think when you can solve problems and you feel the growth is likely where you're going to be the happiest. Of course, there's you know, your family and all that stuff, but it is not money in the bank because you know, a million or two million or three, it doesn't change anything, right? Like you, you read many stories, unfortunately, where there's like multi-millionaires and billionaires and they're just so miserable because they didn't work on the other things that were important. It's not all about the financial piece. It's like the Tony Robbins wheel, if anyone's seen it. And I know there's been a few people that have their own takes on it. But, you know, if you look at your life as a wheel and you've got a wheel for your business and a wheel for your family and a wheel for your mental health and your physical health and, and, and you come down to it and you realize that your wheel's, wheel's not balanced because your business is booming, but you're getting divorced or you're having a heart attack or, you know, you're, you know, whatever, your kids are gone. You can't handle the next level of stress. And you're like, is it really worth your business be booming if the rest of your life around you is kind of falling apart? So it's really true to my heart right now to be able to say like, walk your own journey. This is your path. It's the perfect path. And in that growth where you're uncomfortable, my share is start to when you're in that uncomfortable stage go huh and you're almost just like looking around going thank you for this uncomfortable spot thank you for this stress thank you for this this problem that i don't know how to fix and you want to just strangle somebody but in that moment if you have a moment of gratitude then you will be able to go okay now i see how this is going to allow me to continue to grow or how it's going to get me you know through that next phase of push that i need it's not always sunshine and rainbows. That's for darn. It's not always infinite returns. It's not always home run deals, right? How many times do people go, I'd like a home run? I'm like, yeah, so does everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, that, it, that is a good point. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned this because, you know, as people are getting started in their journey or they're just, you know, continuing to grow, more properties sometimes is more problems. And, and but as you grow, those problems may not be as, immense or drastic or that stressful versus maybe when, when you're first starting but it isn't all like you said rainbows and butterflies and can you just share like maybe some some challenges that you've had along the way if, if you wouldn't mind just on you know here yeah. is as an investor the the realistic picture of what happens yes it's great yes you can make money yes you can do well but it's not always going to run perfectly so what are some of the challenges that you've experienced over the years yeah, and love it because this is like the true, this is the truth, people. Like this is, there's a, it's in, you don't just have a straight line to exist. So before, so I'll just do a couple really quick ones. Before Larry left his job, he was working 40 hours a week at his job and he would come home and work 40 hours a week on this one property that we had. And he, we were done, exhausted. Like 
mentally checked out. Our family was on the back burner and we took a vacation right after that because we, we did a refinance. We had, we've made money and we just said, we kept the asset, but we refinanced. We had, and we said, we are never going to work that, like do that much. We're not going to push ourselves to the limit. So then there would be other jobs and, you know, along the way, I'd be like, Larry, I am behind in timelines. I'm over budget. I need you to step in. So we got really specific. So we'd hired other people, but other people come. Now you're relying on somebody else's timeline. So timelines get messed up. You're coordinating electricians and plumbers and, and drywallers. And there's like all these moving pieces. And so I got out of control. I lost control of the timeline for this property. So Larry stepped in again, you know, there we were, we were really selective of when he stepped in, but we stepped him in and he just like powered out a whole weekend of work and caught us up to where we needed to be. And then it was like, okay, now the project can, you know, make up that time because of what Larry had been able to do, you know, some more ups and downs. We went to a new city, and in a new city, you're learning a new contractor, a new plumber, a new drywaller, all that kind of stuff. And you think you think they know what it's like to be an investor. You think they know what you're talking about when you're saying, you know, when you're, again, you're talking timelines, you're talking budget, but they don't know. They just came from an executive. Oh, I do executive homes all the time. And you're like, yeah, an executive home is not my rental property. And so I kind of need you to shift gears a little bit. So a, a huge learning lesson for me was really making sure that the person that's in my property understands what the outcome I'm looking for in my rental property. Trust me, there is no Scott McGilvery HGTV uh, prop, you know, camera crews going into my properties. That's not my goal. And so that is not what I aim to have properties look like in my, in my portfolio. You know, just other things, balancing cash, where you're like, oh yeah, you know, I've got that money. And then you go to the accountant and then you pay your taxes and then you thought you had money and it's just kind of like allocated in different areas. And it's like feast or famine a lot of times with finances. You know, I'm probably talking to the converted here, but you're like, you know, you're like, oh, look at me. I have so much money. I just did a refi and we post those pictures of the, you know, the big checks and then you know, the next day you're like, where the hell did it all go? And you just, you're paying stuff, you're paying stuff, you're paying stuff. So, you know, at the end of our renovations, I cried one time because I was like, if somebody asked me for another dollar, I don't have it. And then like a week later we refinance. So it's like you deplete all your stock and then you restock and then you deplete and you restock. But each time you do that, you're going a little bit higher, a little bit higher. So so those are some of the ones that we've gone through. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, th and thanks for sharing because like you're right, right? When Especially as you get started and over time, like you said, it goes higher and higher and you're not, you know, maybe as strapped. But in the beginning, you like, I felt pretty strapped in the beginning, right? Like when we first bought our first house or second house and then you st like before the refis. But you're, and, and you're right, people have like, just everyone wants to like have a piece of something, right? Like, you know, this costs 2000 bucks, this costs a few thousand bucks, like as you're, as you're doing stuff, it's just like, and then the taxes, and then, you know, you start incorporating, and then there's, you know, a lot of other things, but it's, it's definitely, you explained really well, all the ups and downs. And at some point, you know, the ups and downs will be, you know, less like fluctuating, because you'll have built a reserve. At, you know, at some point in the future. 
Yeah. You know, uh, I remember the first guy that said, uh, get a Home Depot card and get, you know, a $10,000 budget on it and use that for your stuff and defer everything for 18 months. And, you know, you're, you might have to carry a balance if you have to, if you don't. And I was like, that's crazy. And then the first renovation project that we got when I was like, okay, I got line of credit. I got cash. I got, I need a Home Depot card. And so we went and got this Home Depot card, which is like, mental psyche because you're like oh i'm such a we've done so well we've got all of our wealth we have no debt and then you do your first flip or you're you know you're in in between a couple flips and you if you were to take a snapshot sometimes of your situation at the end of a project you'd be like shit <laughs> i don't look so good right now i got credit cards that are maxed out i got lines of credit that are maxed out i like i don't know how I'm begging from Peter to pay Paul to be able to do, you know, a few little things and then we go. But if you can't handle that snapshot right at the end, then, you know, that's just one of the parts of it. Again, the wealth psychology that kind of comes into this here. I posted this the other day and gosh, never get a lot of conversation starters, but billionaires need to lose millions to be billionaires. Whoa. Just let that sink in. Millionaires need to lose thousands, thousands to be millionaires. And broke people don't want to lose anything and they want to be rich. So yeah. kind of figure out where you are. You know, when I was saying to a gentleman the other day, uh, you know, we were, he's going to break his mortgage and his mortgage is $18,000 to break. But on the other side, the, we've already figured out, or I didn't, the mortgage specialist figured out that it would be an $11,000 savings if he broke it, paid the fee and came on the other side. And they were kind of torn. And, and she said, but Mandy, if it wasn't for you, having discussed with us that you need to lose thousands in order to make millions, you would be focused on this $18,000, which trust me is a huge chunk of money. But if you can see the other side and they're releasing like another $500,000 to be able to go and do this more investing, the, it's easy to see the other side, but don't get stuck on the thousands. If you want to be a millionaire, don't get stuck on, you know, not wanting to lose any money. Oh, what's the lowest interest rate I can get on a mortgage? That's you trying not to lose any and you're trying to be rich. So find that balance of being able to pay some money, some interest, pay some interest. We all pay interest, pay interest. Interest allows you to borrow more money that, that can make you more money. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us. And the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are going to be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are going to be able to help us maneuver through all of this. They're property investors themselves, so they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario, and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also gonna be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition, and also 
also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are going to be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are going to be very individual for all of us. And they're going to help navigate three key parts, financial stability, financial agility, and opportunity, and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're going to have a different plan, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you? Should you not? Why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dalia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Really well said. I, I saw that quote too. I can't remember who, who wrote it, but it's true. I mean, it, you look at most millionaires and there's been thousand dollar mistakes, you know, thousand dollar issues that come up and they might not even be mistakes, but they might just be issues altogether. And everything that is going to create wealth is going to have some level of risk, right? So just understand the level of risk, be comfortable with it. And then if you're not, I mean, there's really safe assets, but it's not really going to get you wealthy. It's not going to create the riches, right? Um, And, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, you know, the more that that somebody can educate themselves and then take action and maybe just like have a circle of people that are doing it around them, um, it can mitigate a lot of those things that can happen, right? Your team, just to go back, Mandy, like, you know, you mentioned, I, I believe team, I don't know if we were recording at the time or not, but that's important, right? If you're going into a new city, you need a new, you know, local team and you go into a different city, you're going to get another local team. And a lot of that, you know, is going to be um, your your make or break. If you get the right team on your on your side, you know, you can you can go a lot further than if you got the wrong team. Absolutely. And we're on the ground trying to, you know, create. Uh, so, and, you know, another one of my pain points as I, as I was growing was when do I hire a property manager or not? And I had a mentor at the time and he called me one day and he said, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, I don't want to tell you. And he said, why? I was like, I don't want to tell you. And he was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm cutting the grass. And he was like, well, that'll be the last time that you cut the grass. And, you know, we were acquiring assets. We were doing a whole bunch of stuff. And so I had to give up the cutting the grass, which it was a simple thing. And I, you know, it was just, there was an appraisal and I needed to have it done, but it didn't matter. I did not have that person on my team. I got that person on my team. I remember at the time when I hired what I thought was going to be a part-time assistant and I didn't know how I was going to pay him, but I was like, I cannot continue to grow and I cannot I cannot continue to manage all these properties on my own. And uh, so I hired a personal assistant, like an assistant to be able to help me who morphed into my property manager. 
And at, at one point, if you think, how am I going to be able to pay him? I also want you to realize that that's another way for you, that you're saying to yourself, how can I afford not to pay him and still grow? Because that's the conundrum. If we don't want to pay him because we don't perceive we have the money to be able to pay him, but you have these goals and aspirations to be greater, then it's kind of asking yourself, do you see your own value in order to be able to bring somebody on so that you can continue to grow? And, uh, and you will be able to make the bill, the bills, you know, if you build it, they will come. If you put the right people in place, you will be able to have the money to be able to cover their expenses. Yeah, absolutely. Great examples. And, and it's also a great example to show like at some point you couldn't self-manage yourself and it's important to work on the business, not work in the business and in order to keep scaling. So you've got, you know, 200 plus doors. How did you go from the first duplex to the 200 plus doors? Like how did you, you know, from a yeah. type of, uh, um, well, I remember sitting down and I interviewed two people. One was a mortgage specialist with CIBC and the second one was my, was a, was the second accountant that I went to see. And I kind of just laid it out to them. Like I might be Mandy who you see right here. And I have, you know, a, a couple properties, you know, this duplex. And then we bought another one, had an issue with a mortgage broker. And I was like, there's gotta be an easier way. And I just sat down. I was like, I might, I'm not who I'm going to be in 10 years but I need you to understand that I need you to help me now so that we can grow together. And they both said that the commitment I had to being able to say that this isn't about one or two properties. It's about 20, uh, you know, like talk to me when I uh, talk to me today, like I already have 20 properties and, and I knew that was, so I'd worked it backwards because that's just what I've done to be able to say, okay, if I want $10,000 a month rental income, and I averaged out $200 a unit cash flow than I would need. And I did all those calculations. And then I figured out how many properties a year I would need to buy to be able to get to that many properties at this much cash flow. And so I had like this GPS location as to where I wanted to go and what it was going to take for me to get there. So it wasn't fluff fluff. It was very clear. This is how I needed. This is what I needed. This is what I wanted to do. So, and then it just kept, and then it just kept going because I was, you know, putting out there to the universe. Uh, I was attracting some really great deals. The JV partners were just continuing to come because they were, again, people are attracted to action. People are attracted to success. They're, they're attracted to confidence that you, somebody you're like, who would you rather walk in the bush with? Somebody's like, oh, you know what? I, I, this is, I know this is the direction or I'm not sure. Why don't you come with me and together we can find out the path. And I'm like, ah, uh, not in a dark bush. I'm going to go with the person that I know uh, knows the way. And so as I, as I fa failed forward and fake it till you make it, so to speak, and I was learning and surrounding myself with, you know, phenomenal networking groups and mentors, I just, uh, I became the one that knew my path in the forest and people just continued to follow. So. Amazing. So just to summarize it, I mean, you obviously took action, you had the confidence and you had the, the systems in place, but it's through joint ventures that, that you've been able to, to build this, right? So can you just give us an overview of what your JV partnership looks like and how you've been able to scale it? Yeah. So I attract 
passive investors. So a bit of a mantra, I attract millions in passive joint venture capital. I help people who want to diversify into uh, diversify their investment portfolio with real estate to be able to do it passively. Um, so that's kind of, you know, some of the things that I say to myself, but that's who I'm looking for. Somebody who's like, Oh, I've been wanting to do this for so long, but I can't figure out the market. I can't, oh, bidding wars and the time and my kids and dance and, you know, whatever. My job's too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And the time factor. So I just was like, okay, how do I insert me as the solution to a time factor to, you know, the, the, um, on insecurity of unknown, the fear. How do I, how does a joint venture reduce fear for all, for the people that are fearful of investing? but they know they want to invest. So uh, come together, I created, again, uh, my power team is around, you know, the joint venture agreement. I've got uh, my accountant, my bookkeeper that has all the, the joint venture bookkeeping systems. Uh, we've got the overview of management, the, the asset management, the property management, the asset acquisition, this, you know, the, you know, what the steps you need to take to be able to get it done. So when somebody commits to saying, yes, Mandy, I am ready, um, it's about 30 days and we can close on a property because we've got enough properties in our pipeline and we're actually creating a portal for people to be able to go, okay, you've been approved as a qualified investor. You're going to be able to go in and choose self-select the asset that you're going to want. So, yeah. So how are you finding these deals? Are they on or off market? On market right now. All, you know, I would say that 90% of my portfolio has been through a realtor through the MLS. Now, some of those might be exclusive deals that the realtor has brought to me, but 90% of my deals are with realtors and variety of realtors. Kingston, I have a phenomenal realtor there. I've got a phenomenal ground on the ground partner that, that helps and finds those, a local expert. I've got my Hamilton St. Catharines expert and my realtor that you know does stuff there. And then local Midland Penetang, Aurelia, uh, and some some stuff in Barry, but you know the share on this, you know, especially the name of your podcast is. I just want people to kind of feel the ebb and flow. If a city doesn't work, stop. Don't go there anymore. Find a new city. Find a new city. Watch the ripple effects. Don't go where everybody else is. You know, I saw some. I talked to somebody one time who told me he paid like like he paid one hundred and fifty thousand dollars more for an asset in the city that I had. And his quote for his renovations was $60,000 more than any renovation I had ever paid. And I was just like, dude, what are you doing? Well, he had a different model than me. Fine. He you know, wasn't so worried about the refinance and he didn't care if his money was tied up. And I'm like, well, then stop talking like this is a Burr model because it's kind of like you just want to do it, but you're okay if the money stays in it. And then I was like, why did you go there? And he's like, well, everybody's talking about it. I was like, well you know, but they've got strategies and they've got, you know, all these kind of things. So if a city doesn't work anymore, don't go there. And, you know, if you really need to be able to find that new city, then I would be saying, you know, like you're, you're on the right club, you're around these kind of networking people. Who is the top realtor that's able to find me a city and trust them, trust them. They're going to bring you the right assets. You don't need to waste you every weekend. I'm not a door knocker and I'm not a yellow letter girl. Let's just be clear on that. I do not have time in my schedule. And you, you know, they do all this work and then they're like, look at me, I found a property with a yellow letter and you, you did one in nine months. And I've bought 20 with realtors, not 
and you know, in the same time period, buying stuff online. So online does on on realtor does not mean it's overpriced. Does not mean that the sellers are ga are gouging. You just have to be able to you know make the numbers work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a good realtor that's local that ideally is an investor themselves, maybe has the same strategy and works with investors, they'll likely have a whole team of people that if you're going into a new city and you don't want to start completely from scratch, you can borrow some of their team members and you can switch them up as, as needed, but super easy way to just get your, your, get your team set up, pick the one, you know, best realtor for investors in that area. So do you mind or if I ask, sorry? <laughs> I said, or do a joint venture because, you know, that's another thing. People yeah. are like, well, but I got to do it myself. And you're like, you know, you partner up with, you know, people like yourself, people like me who've been there, done that, still are doing it, have the ins, have the exclusive deals, have the power team, have the proven systems. And it'd be like, sweetheart, I could probably make you the same amount of return on your, that you're going to do on your own as a, in my model, a 50, 50 split, just saying you know, and you, you can be really clear on it. Come with me and do one and see and feel who my power team is, how my systems are set up. And then when we do the burr and you want to burr on your own, you want to take your money and go do it on your own. I would love that. Like love it. So learn with somebody. You don't have to do this all on your own. Yeah, absolutely. So question for you, are you doing conversions these days? Is that what the burr is or are you doing something different with the burr? Yeah. So it depends on the market and Kingston, we're still looking for single families that we can convert because Kingston had a very low vacancy, like zero vacancy. They had a lack of units. Um, you know, in other markets that I'm looking into, I am finding um, there's tons of rental supply, but they're shit. They're shit. They're run down. They are tired. And the tenant profile that we put some fake ads on Kijiji are there. So we're actually buying existing stock and renovating it to our standards, branding it, so to speak. We are branding all of our properties now. Uh, so it's going to be a brand for each investor and a brand for the tenants to be able to say like, yeah, I rent from Mandy. Like Mandy's properties meet this standard, meet this kind of management. I know they're present landlords. And so for that, there's going to be, you know, slight elevation in the rental rates that I'm going to be able to charge because they're renting from me. So um, those are, so I'm finding existing properties and I'm burring existing properties. We just did a, a burr on an existing duplex in Kingston, a quick example, although I don't share it too, too much because it's, it's just extreme, but it happened. We negotiated it in March, a legal duplex, found it on Facebook. It went on to realtor. My realtor helped us buy it. So I always share that because people think that I'm buying stuff off market, but whenever my realtor is involved to me, that's a realtor deal. Okay. So found it for 290 closed on it in June with a JV partner. Uh, so JV partner will say needed 60 grand. And we told him that it was a $40,000 renovation. So that was going to be 20,000 for the back one bedroom, little unit and a $20,000 exterior renovation. We put new siding, uh, fascia, soffits, uh, like the property just glowed from the outside. And uh, I you know, envisioned that the appraisers coming around the corner and they got this picture in their hand of this tired white duplex, it's overgrown bushes, and they get there and they're like, holy shit, like this is a new place. We got a 450 appraisal. Nice. So, 450 brings it down to a $360,000 mortgage. 
my partner got a hundred percent of his renovations down payment back and we had 40 grand to split over and above that wow and and i will say like and because you said you don't share it often that is rare right like a burr in one <laughs> which is what i call it a burr in one is rare like you so how often do you think you get a burr in one out of like you know 100 properties is it ever 10 properties you might get a burr in one where you, you're paying back all of your capital and then you're actually making a profit as well from the first refi from the first refi um out of my hundred i've probably yeah about 10 times i'm gonna say about 10 times so then i'm gonna add on top of that because i like that distinction so in the first refi about 10 properties got all their money back in and some of them we didn't refi right away uh so within the first three years i've created another 25 Right. Full payouts. Okay. So I would tell you right now in my portfolio, there's about 35 infinity properties that have all of their money back. And I'm talking from investing in 2000. And I mean, I started my own self again in 14 and uh, with joint venture partners, my first joint venture partner was 2016. So since 2016, I have created 35 infinity properties. And I think that's a good distinction, right? Because like, if you're looking for that perfect deal where everything comes back out and you're making money, I'll, I'll tell you, you'll, you'll get your money out, but sometimes it's going to be over a couple different years, right? Like you might refi right after the renos, you might decide to refi when the market clicks back up and you're seeing some comparables go up for a lot higher. And you're like, I could likely pull out the rest of my money. You're probably going to want to do that at some point but it's not going to be every time that you can get a home run. So Mandy, when you're looking at a deal, like what, like what is a good deal? Is it when you're getting all of your reno and holding costs and half of your down payment? Like, what does that look like for you? So, you know, let's even just breathe into a five-year mortgage for a minute, because at some point people are like, Oh, I'm, I remember myself going, Oh, five years is so far down the road. Are we ever going to get to five years? And now here we are going, holy shit, I can't believe we're at five years and we can't refinance. So just because the amount of mortgages we've got and it's like a bit of a shit show, but anyway, so we're actually just going to be renewing. So my share is to people who are starting out to breathe into the five years and just realize that three years into the market, into mortgage pay down, into the stabilization of your asset and tenants and stuff like that is not a long time. So I did a thing recently, three joint venture assets in three years with $100,000, kind of taking that burr and, and refinancing it every year. And yeah, you started off with 100 and then you can only take out a little bit more. It's, I call it like the Hansel and Gretel effect. You're leaving a little bit of money in each deal. So it's not a big deal to get, you know, one guy was like, oh, I think I could refinance, get my last 20 grand out. And I'm like, if you need your last 20 grand, you're probably not going to be one of my wannabe JV partners right now. So you're fine to leave that in there. But Hansel and Gretel it along the way. You're like, leave 20 and then I leave 40 and then I leave 30 at the end of three years. And I think the big thing about my this, this little diagram that I shared was it's three years, people. You can take your 100 grand and recycle it around. You now have six assets or six doors, three assets in three years. You need the three years in order to have that amount of stuff. So breathe into it, understand that if you're not taking action today and you're waiting for the home run, um, you know, uh, we'll probably get, you know, 10 doubles 
and, and have more scores than you waiting on a home run. And I share that with a lot of people. So you do you wait for your run or do a double and a double and a double and a double. And those doubles in Hamilton two years ago are looking pretty damn grand slam right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, it, and it's a great analogy with the Hansel and Gretel because you, you will leave a little bit in each deal, right? And, and over time you can refinance, whether it's, you know, two years, three years, you know, you'll, you'll take your money back. Just be patient over time. Is there like a, a cash on cash or an ROI number or something that you can like share like a range? I don't, and I don't know if you have that number of like, here's how I analyze the deal. And if it's got this much cash on cash return or this much return on my investments, then it makes sense. Yep. So for my joint venture model, okay, so pretty clear, you know, I just got a filter of joint ventures. When I go into a deal, I go, is this a deal that I would do myself? And if it is, then it's a deal that I'm happy to bring a joint venture on board with. I don't get out of bed for less than 30%. So minimally, I'm looking at a JV partner saying, here's a 15% passive. Uh, they're not all beautiful cash flowing properties. Cash flows a you know, uh, my book will be called cash flow, the illusion, because it's not always there. That doesn't mean that it's not there, but you start to have a maintenance reserve and a vacancy allowance and, you know, okay. So on the pro forma, your cash flow is two fifty five, but let's say it's a beautifully maintained building and, you know, you're accumulating your reserve fund or your maintenance fund and your vacancy because people aren't leaving, well, then that just accumulates onto your cash flow, right? But on the pro forma, people are like, oh, I need more than $200 a month. And I'm like, okay, but you know, then you're gonna take, here's one, I got one. I got $1,000 a month cash flow and you need 183,000. Oh, well, that's not what I want. I'm like, well, the ROI is the same, higher amount of money, higher cash flow. It's just a perception. So if you only need $55,000, but you've got $200 a month cash flow and your ROI is 35%, really, these are the same. It's just a greater amount of money. So don't necessarily look at the cash flow. And then, you know, that is that post refi, after refi, like, you know, there's lots of different variables involved, but I don't get out of bed for less than 30%. And I would say the average deal I have is 40 to 50%. And I'm very conservative. Like, if you don't like the look of my pro forma, good because I don't speculate. I don't, you know, I don't jump around on my numbers. I don't Airbnb any of my units to be able to show, oh, here, look at this is a cash flow. Oh, right. But you can't use that for qualifying for the bank. So, you know, we're going to have to figure that out or you're going to have to put a larger down payment. I don't know, just some of those. I've, I've looked at a lot of performance for, for people because that's kind of one of the things that I offer is deal reviews. And so you'll be like, yeah, but look at the cash flow. And you're like, well, is that sustainable? They have a 2% vacancy on, a, on an Airbnb. I mean, again, I'm pretty sure we're good for, you know, June, July, and August. But what about those other months? And how do we, how do we you know, account for those kind of things? So um, just making sure that people are, uh, if cash flow is what they're looking for, then we, we meet that cash flow, but it might take a higher amount of capital. And the return on investment is, you know, about the same. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I, you know, I do have some Airbnb rentals, like the way that I, I will run them is I'll look at like worst case scenario long term, if I had to turn it around and remove the, you know, the short term stuff, what that looks like. Right. And then I take the upside with the Airbnb. But, 
Um, you know, there's lots of different strategies to do it. Now, your 30% to, you know, 50% ROI, are you factoring in, because there's probably people thinking this, like, is it appreciation, mortgage, pay down, and cash flow together that create that ROI, or is it just the cash flow, or how do you, how do you look at that? You know what? I put in appreciation because, let's be honest, it happens. It's not something that we can control. I don't put in a 20% appreciation. I actually, I, I mean, I know there's some major companies that will use 5% appreciation. I use three or four, four probably very conservative to be able to say like, you can say what you want and maybe this year it's not four, but the next year it's eight and next year it's 17 for gosh sakes. But let's just use four as a nice little number. I do post refi anticipating that if you've got back a big chunk of money, my going forward calculation is after you've gotten out this big chunk of money. So your capital remaining in your asset is less because of the refi, which also means that I'm not accounting for active appreciation in my ROI. That's already been calculated in. So it is cash flow. Um, there is maintenance fees and management fees on top of that um, that get paid to a third party company. Um, so cash flow, mortgage pay down, and more, my mortgage pay down right now, I'm being pretty conservative but I'm putting two and a half percent on my pro formas for interest rates. The last two mortgages my JV partners have gotten have been 1.85 and 2.05. So my two and a half was quite conservative, which again, that means that the cash flow will go up. Okay. Um, and it's all based on 20% down payment, 30 year amortization for the mortgage payment and then appreciation. So, so I call it the three ways to win after the refinance, which takes out your fourth way to win of active appreciation. Yeah, it's, it sounds similar to what I do. I, I, look yeah. at, I look at the mortgage pay down and conservatively a little bit of appreciation and the cash flow to, to calculate that as well after the refi is done. So great yeah. strategy. Yeah. Mandy, we can keep talking for a long time and I would love to have you back at some point. But the next part of our podcast is our lightning rounds. I'm going to ask you a series of five questions. You can give the first answer that comes to okay. mind. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? I'm going to say Real Estate Investing in Canada by Don Campbell. Just a solid basics. I went back to it recently. Really good book. Awesome. So I'm not sure if you listen to podcasts or not, but what is the podcast that you listen to the most or that you would recommend? Um, I do, uh, Patrick Francis, the millionaire, what, see, I don't even, I'm not even great with the names of it, but, uh, the everyday um, millionaire, I think it is the everyday millionaire. And it's, it's the story behind the people and the growth that those people have gone through that just reminds me that this is just a journey and, and embrace it instead of trying to, instead of trying to fight it. Uh, his, that podcast and those mil- those everyday millionaires show me in the variety of industries that they're in, that everybody's going through their same struggles, uh, but you have to, if you want to be an everyday millionaire. Awesome. Number three, what do you do for fun when it's not real estate? We bought a boat this year, which is going to be an awesome thing for next year. I did yoga this morning and went for a jog. I love my morning coffee, spending time with my, my hubby and laughing a lot. All right. Sounds good. We were, we were debating the boat thing as well, because it's, it's always good to buy something when the season is done <laughs> from a discount perspective. 
but I think we're going to wait till next, next year. I just bought a Tesla. So <laughs> yes, I saw that about some of your tax differences between, I thought that was a really cool little share. Yeah. Well, our boat's going to be called the joint venture club right. and we are going to be bringing joint ventures on our boats. So That's another cool. little incentive for people. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Maybe if, uh, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how do you start again? Beside my husband with the support of my family, Mm, and probably just a really good journal to be able to remind myself that I still have a heart that's beating that that was a gift and and air in my my lungs and and away I go just kind of pick it up from there it's like I'll have a little cry and then figure out the the, the same skills that I have a uh, gentleman called me yesterday he found my card that he hadn't seen in a long time and he called me and he was just like, you know what, you have just, you are just an exemplary human. I just, I think you're so kind and you're, and I was like, I haven't talked to you in five years. And that's what he was said to me. But again, I looked up to the universe and I was like, thank you. Cause these are the reminders. So, you know, lots of properties, not lots of properties. The reminder was be a good human, smile, be kind, because that's what people are seeing in me. And that's what I, that's the kind of the message that I would leave for, for myself. Last question, question number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend that money? Mm because of my history, I would say, go, go attach yourself on to uh, an expert working partner and partner with them because your 50 grand is not lost. Your 50 grand is going to be solidly invested and you're going to learn a crap load holding on to somebody. I classify it as tandem skydiving. So you're like tandem real estate investing for your first 50 grand. I'm not going to jump out of a plane by myself for the first time. I will be attached on to an expert. And so if you're wanting to invest your first 50 grand, um, then attach yourself onto an expert and, and jump with them. All right. Awesome. That was our lightning round. Mandy, where can the listeners reach out and find out more about you? Yeah, so go to my website, Mandy Brenham, just as it, you know, as my name is, mandy.com. If you're interested, you can book a discovery call. I'm happy to be able to take you from where you are to your next spot. If you want to be like Mandy, I want to be like you. I want to be a working partner. Book a call. I can, you know, get you figured out and, and set you on your way. If you want to invest, same thing. And if you just want to talk real estate, I'm happy to be able to do that too. Very cool. Any final last words of advice? Thank you, Sarah. There are times that people don't realize how much time and effort it takes to be able to put these things together. So for you to be so consistent and, and showing up and authentic, is, uh, it means a lot. So thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Mandy, for being on the show. And it's always a pleasure to reconnect. So guys, thank you for tuning in. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. 
What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.